Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. If you would, turn, if you have Bibles, um, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we're going to be because we're going to answer some of life's most important questions. And so I'm happy that we get to do that. Uh, we're going to discuss if Elon Musk is going to be able to uh, purchase Twitter. And so a lot of really important stuff going on. Now, there's some uh, life questions that we're going to talk about today that really are the most important things. If you boil down all of life, what stuff would you like to know? And so I've been a pastor a long time, over 30 years, and, um, and somehow have maintained my boyish good looks. Uh, it's, it's a really a, a remarkable thing. But there's some questions that come up a lot. And so we're going to talk about those questions because Easter answers a lot of those questions. Let, let me show you a couple pictures. This is a cave in New Zealand, and these are little glow worms. Um, they spend most of their lives as larvae, or larvae, depending on who you are. And, and then they eventually become moths for one day. They're born without any mouths, and so they have one day to attract a mate, get married, and have kids. You think you have a biological clock that's ticking. Think about these little guys. They're really, really going. And they have one day. Now, on the other end of the animal kingdom spectrum, this is a picture of Ming. It is a quahog, Q-U-A-H-O-G, a quahog. It was found in the sea in Iceland, and when they discovered the quahog, it uh, was 507 years old. Like a tree, you know, every year, every ring is a, a year, every one of these little things is a year. And so they counted it up. Now, true story, um, they killed Ming the Quahog because they opened up his shell to make sure they had counted right. So poor Ming didn't last uh, any longer until people found him, and then he was gone. But what's really interesting is whether you live one day or 507 years, death strikes. So one of the questions that people have is what happens after death? Let me read you a happy little Easter text People are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field, the grass withers and the flower fades. It reminds me of the azaleas which are in bloom everywhere and I just love them, but my word, in two or three weeks there are no blooms anymore. Enjoy them now because they don't last. And every great athlete is only great for a season or a few seasons because eventually the hands of time diminish their abilities. Uh, Every supermodel. There are no 80-year-old supermodels that grace the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. No matter how much plastic surgery you have done, there just aren't. Every brilliant mind, every CEO who has this mental acumen to make uh, uh, decisions for their company, uh, eventually those fade. Even our heroes who are in video or in, in the theaters, look at Clint before and after. Vicky, this one's for you. Look at, look at, oh, look at Stallone. Uh, one on the right, spray painted, it looks like. Fonzie. Oh, wait a minute. Well, you heard Fonzie. Look at Fonzie. Now, Dolly, she still looks good. I mean, it's like, I, I don't know what happened to Dolly. She, she must drink from the fountain of youth. But for most people, this is the truth. The longer you live, the more you realize life is coming to a dead end. We enjoy this life, and I think God gives us life in order to enjoy it, but you have to understand it eventually comes to an end. 
So what happens when it comes to an end? So it's, a, it's a question we all should ask ourselves. So today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. There's a guy named Paul who writes this text. He was a, a Jew. He was kind of a Jew of Jews, was sort of a super Jew, and uh, really, really smart, and persecuted the church because he thought the Jews were the way and the Christians were an abomination to the Jews, and so he really didn't like Christians until he had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed for him. And so he writes some words that help us understand what happens, what, what goes on, where we go, all those kind of things uh, at the end of life. So the question number one, is there life after death? I think that really is where we want to start. Because if there is, there are some implications to that, but maybe there isn't. So let's look at what Paul says. Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. The essence of Christianity is really found in this text. Let me break it down for you because it's really important. Number one, we all need a Savior because we all have a sin nature. And so Paul says, death came into the world through a man, and then he mentions Adam, and Adam is the one, he is our uh, granddaddy to the 10th power, or to the 110th power, or whatever, and because he sinned, we all have sin. We all have this sin nature. Now, I don't know about you, but I've looked at a little bit of my gene genealogy, I want to kind of study it and see who was in there, and, and here's a picture of um, a painting of one of my ancestors. Uh, I think he was a king. <laughs> why I wear Argyle socks. So, uh, um, but, but the truth of the matter is, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. This is a verse, if you don't believe in original sin, if you don't believe that we're born with a sin nature, then get around some two-year-olds. If you don't still believe it, get around some 13-year-olds. Uh, if you've lived any time at all, you know this is true. I mean, you don't have to talk me into the fact that I have a sin nature. In fact, you remember when the pandemic hit and there was a slogan about, hey, we're going to bend the curve and all that, and there was a slogan, and the slogan was, we're all in this together. Well, when it comes to sin, we're all in this together. We, we all have it. And because we all have it, we all need a way out of it. The other day I was at one of the stores and I bought something in a box. I can't remember what it was. And when you, uh, when you go out the door, they have those, those little towers. And, and if you steal, those things go off, you know, if you steal something. Well, I went, I went through that and the alarm starts going off. Well, I knew I had paid and I, I'm, I'm looking back and, and everybody looks at you. I, I kept looking for people with AK-47s to come tackle me, you know, because the alarm is whoop, whoop, whoop. And everybody's looking and I heard people saying, that's the preacher at Freedom. Uh, and, you know, it's like... horrible and what sin does for us is it causes us shame and guilt and worse it causes separation between us and God we we have this separation which is why Jesus came so we need a savior because we have a sin nature but Jesus's death was no accident he says Jesus 
Christ died for our sins. He, he was the, the perfect substitute. He took our place if we'll let him. I was reading last week about supermarkets. A lot of them now, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are ordering their groceries online and have it, either having it delivered or you pick it up at uh, kind of curbside. And when they don't have something in stock and there are you know, supply chain, uh, chain issues, sometimes stuff isn't in stock, so they'll make substitutions for you. And so I was reading about some of them. Uh, one person ordered red peppers and they got red hair dye. That's, that's really not a good substitution. Somebody ordered tea bags and got sandwich bags. That doesn't help you. Somebody ordered those delicious Cadbury Easter eggs and just got eggs. Somebody ordered toilet paper and got sandpaper. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. But when it says Jesus died for our sins, Christ died for our sins, it is the, the best substitution you could ever have. It's like ordering apples and getting an iPhone. I mean, it is as good as it gets. And so Jesus takes our place. See, he, he died and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. If you borrow something, you don't plan on keeping it forever. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb and then he came back. It's kind of the next thing. Jesus defeated death so that we can have life. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. This is why we celebrate Easter. When I was uh, much, much younger, you know, back in the 60s, the, the debate was, will anybody ever get to the moon? Can man ever go to the moon? And there was this notion around it. That, and the argument was basically, uh, how can you cause enough thrust to get somebody there, and then once they get there, how do you get them back? That was right, the big debate. Sort of, they figured out how to get them there, but then how do you get it back? How do you get them back? And then how do they breathe? And then, and then how do they stay on the planet? Because the, uh, the gravitational pull is different than the earth. And, and they're kind of trying to calculate these things. And they've never been there, so they don't know what to do. And there was this big question about, will man ever reach the moon? And there was this, the Cold War was, you know, full speed. And the Russians had people uh, uh, the, orbiting the planet. And... John F. Kennedy sort of challenged uh, the American uh, scientific community and, and basically said, we need to beat the Russians to the moon. And in 1969, July, a guy named Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And because he did it, then he proved it could be done. It's not, we don't have the question anymore. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he demonstrated that you can come back from the dead. And in fact, he didn't just do it, he, he was like all over the place. Look, he was seen by Peter, and then the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 followers, and then he was seen by James, his brother, and later all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Lots of people saw him. But the proof for most of us is, we feel him. We, we know Him. We've experienced Him. The calendar is broken up into A.D. and B.C. because Jesus made such an impact on the world. Winston Churchill, who was this great orator and uh, leader in the free world, when he died, he had already planned his own funeral. Which, by the way, is very helpful for those of us who are about to die. You know, if, we're, if you're thinking about you know, playing your own funeral, it's very helpful. Because people that are left sometimes don't know what you want. And so uh, Churchill knew exactly what he wanted. 
And he had, he had this funeral in the, this huge cathedral. If you've ever been to Europe, these cathedrals are huge. And they're massive, and there's these stones. And you could talk over there, and it kind of echoes all through the building. And they sang these hymns of old. And they just kind of filled the room. And then somebody uh, did a, 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 a eulogy about Churchill, and it was magnificent and brilliant, and was speaker after speaker, and he had kind of lined all that up. And then the last prayer was prayed, and in one of the towers of the cathedral, he had a bugler, and the bugler played taps. Taps is this, what they play at the end of the day, if you're in the military. It's very, very somber. And taps was played in the one of those towers in this cathedral, and it kind of rains down on everybody. And it's a somber moment. And then there's silence for this pregnant pause. And then the other tower he had positioned, he had ordered that there be another bugler. And the bugler over there plays Reveille, which is, hey, this, this is the song they play when you get up in the morning. And he was... He was showing people that his belief is, uh, I might be, uh, it might be nighttime here, but it's morning over there. He, he was saying, hey, it, this isn't over yet. He believed that Jesus, Jesus, when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in me will have life even if they die. He believed that, and therefore he kind of formed his funeral around that belief. So if the question is, is there life after death, then Paul would say, and I would say, that yes, the answer is yes, because the resurrection proves it. Look, if you step out of your own grave, you're anything you say you are, and you can do anything you say you can do. So if this is true, there's life after death, what is it like? Well, it's found in 1 Corinthians 15 as well. Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest. And so Paul is saying, hey, if you want to know what life after death is like... Just look at what life after death was like for Jesus. It's perfect. Let's look at the guy that did it. So, what happens when we die? It's a good question. I think some of us have questions about it. Well, first, our spirits, we have a soul. Our spirit, our soul, separates from our earthly body. From the cross, Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. With that, he breathed his last. Into your hands, I give my spirit. On the cross, Jesus was, uh, was bookmarked, was, was, uh, uh, had bookend uh, people beside him. And to one of them, he said, um, today you'll be with me in paradise. Our, our spirits leave our earthly bodies. It's like taking your hand outside a glove. When the hand is in the glove, you move it, and the hand animates the glove. But when you take the glove off, the glove is left, but the hand that animates it is no longer there. It's what death is like. And so, this departed spirit goes to be with the Lord. Now, what's really interesting is we could still see Jesus' scars on his hands and his feet. But he says, Jesus says, don't be amazed. The time is coming when, when all that are in the grave will hear his voice and come out. All that are in the grave will hear this and come out. See, a God that has the power to make energy into matter, can make atom out of dust, he could recompose, decompose bodies. People will sometimes have the question, what about people who are cremated? 
Yeah, God can do anything he wants to do. Remember Jesus and Lazarus? I love this story. Lazarus was one of his best friends, and he had died. And back then, they didn't embalm a body, and so they just put it in a cave. I mean, you, really, the funeral happened right that day. It's really, really fast. And so Lazarus died. Jesus wasn't there. He shows up four days later, in fact. And, and he says to his family, hey, I'd like to go see where they laid Lazarus. And so they go, just like we would go to the graveyard, and we would look at a, a headstone, maybe. It's kind of what they did. And they took Jesus to where Lazarus was, and there was a stone rolled in front of the cave where they had placed him. And Jesus said, let's remove this stone. And Lazarus' sister, one of my favorite verses in the King James, says, I don't think so, he stinketh. I love that word, he stinketh. And Jesus is like, roll the stone away, I want to show you the power of God. And they roll the stone away, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's four hours, four days, four years, or four millennia. When Jesus says, come forth, that's what we do. In another place in Scripture, Paul talks about this. He says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. This is like the second coming. Will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. If you've ever slept through your alarm in the morning, you want this. I mean, look at it. You got Jesus yelling. I can't imagine what that's like, but it says he's shouting. And then I don't know if it's with the voice of the archangel, so that means Jesus and the archangel are shouting. I've not personally ever experienced an archangel shouting, but I would suspect that's big. And then there's a trumpet call. I mean, this isn't like waking up to a waterfall. Uh, this, is, this is loud. And then look, he goes on, he goes on. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And people will say, well, that's, that's hard to believe. It's kind of fanciful. Well, okay, <laughs> If you had never experienced how babies come about, if I were to say to you, okay, well, there's this sperm from a man, and there's this little microscopic egg from a woman, and they get together, and they make a cell, and they multiply, and then this, this little baby begins to grow, and for nine months it lives inside uh, its mother's body, and then it comes out, it comes out, kind of squishes right out, comes out, and you would say, well, there's no way. But we experience this all the time. We, we, we've seen it. We know. I, I was in the room four times when that happened. Three times too many. Uh, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of times I was in there. I was reading a book fourth time. It's like, I know what happens. You know, it's like... Uh, And people are like, well, that's too, too much. It's not too much. God does whatever He wants to do. Let me go back just for a second to people who, uh, who uh, get cremated. Look, there have been Christians throughout the history of the world who were burned at the stake, not by their own choice. 
God does whatever he wants to do. And so God, at the second coming, will, will give this call, and then we have these resurrected bodies, and then he says, then we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Well, yeah, that's pretty encouraging. Have you ever tried to encourage when it's not easy to encourage? Like your, your kid's playing softball or baseball and they strike out four times. What do you say? Well, you almost hit the ball that one time. You know, how do you, do you do that? Or in her recital, she gets hardly any notes right. <laughs> what do you say? Well, that, that one F flat was perfect. You know, you, you kind of come up with something. Is F flat a something? I don't even know if that is anything. Um, these are easy. These are easy words to be encouraged by. Encourage each other with these words. And then, oh, it gets better. Not only do we get to spend eternity with the Lord, but now we get spiritual bodies. See, Jesus came back and they thought he was a ghost. And he said, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's me. Touch me and make sure I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Have you ever experienced something that was so magnificent you just didn't know what to do with yourself? Maybe, guys, it was you, and you're standing at the front of the church, and the door's open, and there's your bride. Remember that? That's something. There she is. And I saw Miriam... And I, I saw that look in her eye like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I've wasted a tux rental. You know, it's like, my word, this is embarrassing. And then she comes down the aisle. Every, every groom that's ever had that experience, every mother who's given birth to a baby and they place that baby on your, on your breast, and you hold it for the first time. Maybe it's the first time you saw the ocean. It's magnificent. Or the first time you saw the Rocky Mountains. Or the first time you saw the Grand Canyon. Or the first time you came to freedom. And you think to yourself, wow, that's a great church. You know, uh, maybe it's that. They, they couldn't get their minds around it. There's Jesus, and there He is, and He's, got, he's still got... He's got marks on his hands and his feet. And then Jesus does something remarkable. Then he asks them, do you have anything here to eat? We get to eat in heaven. Oh! Come on now. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. In the Greek, that's Long John Silver's. Because you don't have to worry about cholesterol in heaven. No Jenny Craig, no Weight Watchers, no Atkins. They are not in existence in heaven. I mean, they might; those people might be there, but, but, but no programming. No programming. Jesus, he asks for something to eat. When I go see my mom back in Kentucky, she's 88, she lives by herself. First question she asks me is, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? And then she'll run through a list. You want, uh, you want some fried chicken? You want stuffed peppers? You want pinto beans and cornbread? I know. Uh-huh. 
11.15, almost lunchtime. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what food is like in heaven, but I do like the fact that we get to eat. Now somebody will say, Paul says, back to 1 Corinthians 15, how are the dead raised? What kind of bodies do they have? And, and he says, okay, it's just like a plant. You, if you have a, a kernel of corn or you have a, a, a grass seed or whatever, you have, whatever kind of seed you have, a tomato seed, and you plant it in the ground, and then it dies and decomposes, but in about a week or two, uh, there's a shoot that comes up, and it grows taller. Let's say it's corn, and the, the stalk grows taller, and eventually there are ears of corn. You bury one thing of one type, and it becomes different. So he, he says, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies that are buried, this is the part I love the most, are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness. They'll be raised in strength. Man, the older you get, the less you can do. The less stamina you have. The less strength you have. If the promise was, hey, you're going to come back just the way you were, well, if you got to be 80 and you had hearing aids and you can't see very good, that's really not that great news. That's not great news. So he's talking, this is, we get these spiritual bodies. And Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Like, we get to do stuff. I always think, what, is it, what did he mean? Is there like a ping pong room? I'd like that. Or a card playing room? Or a macrame room? I don't know what that is, but I'd, I'll take it up. Is there, a, is there a reading room? Is there a study room? Is there a napping room? I'd go to the napping room. Uh, what kind of rooms are there? One time I went to St. Petersburg, Russia, and I went to the Hermitage. It's the largest museum of art in the world. And it is overwhelmingly large. And you go in, and there's a room, and it's got uh, art from Michelangelo. And it's like, I've heard of him. Uh, he's famous. And, and then you go, and, and there's a room with da Vinci items. And then there's Raphael in this room, not him, but his stuff, you know, and, and, and Picasso. Dude was weird. Uh, and, and you go into that room and it's like, wow, why is this worth so much? I could do this, you know, is that what you think? But, but the thing is, there's so many rooms, how do you tour that? I had a day, I had an afternoon, it wasn't even the whole day. In heaven, you get eternity. And I don't know about you, but I've often wondered, why did Jesus still have the scars? It's a spiritual body. Why did he still have the scars? Well, maybe it was to identify him so that his followers would go, oh, well, that really is him. I love what Erwin McManus said. Maybe Jesus' scars are eternal because they were made by love. And love is eternal. The question is, What's life after death like? Well, Christians get to spend eternity with God in our everlasting spiritual bodies. One of the tugs of heaven is the idea of being reunited with people you love. If you've ever been to the airport and maybe you've flown somewhere and you get off, and uh, a lot of times this happens with military young people, and, and they'll be in their military gear and they'll walk off the plane, and then you go, you know, you have to go to where your 
baggage is. And you walk through all the gates, and then you get to TSA, and you walk on the other side of TSA. And sometimes you'll see a crowd of people waiting for somebody that's just arrived. And I wonder if heaven isn't like that. If, if there's not some eternal tote board, arrivals today, wouldn't that be cool? Think about it. For me, get off the plane and there's Jesus and He walks you through TSA because it must be TSA in heaven. Uh, and they walks you through and, and there you get through the gates. There's going to be Daddy. I can't wait. Last question. Who can have eternal life with God? Well, he says, just as everyone who dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given life. So the question really is, how do you belong to Christ? This is my debit card. My 15-year-old daughter Elise has one too. Now, when Elise goes on, she plays sports for her school, and they take a bus, and they'll go wherever they're going to play. And sometimes, if, there's, um, if it's pretty far, far away, on the way home, they stop for dinner. And Elise will use her debit card to pay for dinner. She always eats. Does Elise have a job? No. <laughs> Does Elise have money? No. She always eats because she takes advantage of what her mother and I provide for her. She taps into our account. She hits our money. And we're delighted to do it. Here's the thing about eternal life. You can't afford it. You can't earn it. And you don't deserve it. That's the bad news. Good news is, you can still have it. You can still have it. Because it says, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone. There are three reasons I could think of why somebody might turn that down. Sometimes people think it's just too much to give up. I'm, I'm, I'm living life the way I want to right now. I don't want to give up the party life or I don't want to, whatever. I mean, sometimes it's, I, I've got too much to live for that I don't want to give that up. Because becoming a Christian is sort of the simplest and most difficult thing all at once. It's easy to do. You just give your life to Christ. But then there's an expectation that I'm going to live a certain way. Some people don't want to live a certain way. Some folks... They figure they don't need it. They just don't need it. Like they're, they've got this keen mind, and their greatest asset is actually their greatest liability. And it seems too much. Can't be. I heard about one lady, she was in a conversation with a pastor, and he said, well, what are you depending on? What, what, what do you think life is like after you die? And she said, well, you just 
you have a life, it's like a candle, and then it's blown out, and then there's no more life. And he said, well, where did you get that? And she said, well, I read it in a book. He said, well, what, what's the name of the book? I don't remember. <laughs> Who's the author? I don't remember. Well, could he have written a book later and changed his mind? Maybe, but I don't know. He said, so you're, you're rolling the dice on your eternity based on a book you don't know the name of by an author who you don't know the name of who may or may not have changed his mind. Is that? See, some people don't consider this. Whether you come to Christ or not, and I hope you do, I hope you have, at least think about it. Just think about it. Then I think some people say, well, he wouldn't want me. Remember I told you Paul wrote this text that we looked at today, 1 Corinthians? He wrote another book one time to a friend of his. His name was Timothy. Paul was an old pastor. Timothy was a young pastor. And he said this, and I think it's profound. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. See, he was a religious terrorist. He went about trying to wipe Christianity off the planet. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience. He is patient with us. Who can have eternal life? Anyone willing to trust Christ? Anyone. Everyone. After the service is over with, I'm just about to pray, and then we're going to do a couple of announcements. Um, and then after the service is over, I always hang out right here. If you have any questions, if you want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be happy to chat with you. Okay, Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day, for the celebration. We love Easter because it reminds us that we have eternal life in Christ. Thank you that Jesus came back to show us the way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.